he knows that the only way that he can, you know, win a somewhat competitive election under foreseeable conditions is to basically confront a divided opposition. Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg. I am a veteran international affairs journalist and the editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. An opposition candidate named Maria Karina Machado overwhelmingly won a primary last Sunday to challenge Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro in presidential elections next year. Maduro, of course, was the hand-picked successor to Hugo Chavez. He has been in power since 2013, and in that time, Venezuela has experienced an economic freefall and social dislocation of a massive scale. All the while, Maduro has tightened his grip on power through authoritarian means. Now, ordinarily, I would not pay too much attention to primary elections in Venezuela. The fact is that general elections have not been at all competitive in recent years. Maduro and the Chavismo movement cronies control the electoral process. But there was a significant political breakthrough this month that suggests things might be different this time. In negotiations in Barbados, the Maduro government agreed to a set of conditions which, if followed, would allow competitive elections in 2024. In response, the United States has lifted some key sanctions on Venezuela. For the first time in a long time, there is a decent chance that Venezuela may move past Maduro. On the line with me to help understand these key recent developments is Marino D'Alba, a senior advisor for the International Crisis Group. We kick off discussing the background of Maduro's main challenger, Maria Corina Machado, before having a longer discussion about what this agreement in Barbados means for Venezuela's political future. This is a timely conversation. I think you will appreciate it. You know, this was big news that was overshadowed, understandably so, by the ongoing crisis in Israel and Gaza. We will, of course, continue to cover that crisis on the podcast. We, of course, also want to be sure to give time and space to other key events, issues, and trends happening around the world. As always, if you have suggestions of people I should interview or topics I should cover, please reach out to me using the contact button on globaldispatches.org. 
And as always, we deeply appreciate those of you who have become premium subscribers and are supporting our ability to bringing you this kind of in-depth international news coverage weekend and week out. You can become a premium subscriber by upgrading your subscription in Apple Podcasts, going to globaldispatches.org or patreon.com slash globaldispatches. Now here is my conversation with Mariano de Alba of the International Crisis Group. Just to kick off, can you explain and give us a little more background on Maria Karina Machado? Who is she? Maria Corina Machado, she's an industrial engineer, a Venezuelan industrial engineer. She went into politics, I would say, uh, roughly at the same time that Hugo Chavez assumed power in Venezuela uh, in January 1999. Perhaps she got into politics a bit further down the road. She is sort of like a different politicians from what I would call the mainstream opposition in the sense that, you know, Venezuela historically and even during Chavez was a country that, you know, most of the politicians subscribe to socialism or socialist policies. There was a lot of interest in addressing the needs of the overall population, Venezuela being a country with a lot of poverty. And Maria Corina Machado, through time, she tried to differentiate herself First, by saying that she really believed in capitalism, and that was really key in a time where, you know, Chavez was basically ranting all day long against the U.S. and against capitalism. But also with time, I think that, you know, she understood that that term would be used by Chavismo and by the government against her. So she has, you know, more recently ascribed to a political current of economic liberalism. She comes from a very wealthy family in Venezuela, her father being a very well-known and respected businessman. And she started working for, let's say, an NGO that dealt with electoral issues. Then in the year 2011, she became a deputy of the National Assembly in Venezuela. And then she was re removed from her post by the government. So she went to initiate her own political party. And she was very much, I think, in sync with, she has said this, quote unquote, she was in total agreement with the diagnosis of the Trump administration on Venezuela, which we should remember was a diagnosis of Maduro needs to go. And for that, we will apply maximum pressure. And that basically meant, you know, trying to isolate the government from the international community, but at the same time, impose broad economic sanctions mainly on its oil industry. And she was in favor of those sanctions as part of an effort to rid Venezuela of Maduro. Yes, she was in favor of those sanctions. And let's also remember that there was a time where former President Trump very much, you know, toyed around with the idea of the need of for a foreign U.S.-led foreign military intervention to get rid of Maduro. She also supported that idea. She even went as far she and her supporters to support the idea that basically the, the reason why the U.S. foreign intervention was not happening was because the people in the opposition in charge at that moment, namely Juan Guaidó, who was recognized by the U.S. 
as interim president of Venezuela, were not asking the U.S. government strongly enough for that military intervention. So interesting, despite having these somewhat controversial views, she recently overwhelmingly won a primary to be the challenger potentially against Maduro in upcoming elections. What were her platform or her planks or why was it that she so overwhelmingly bested all the other opposition candidates to resoundingly win in this primary? I mean, it's without doubt that she won the primary with a very solid majority, over 90% of the votes, as the counts show as we are recording this episode. I think that, you know, her strategy, I would say from the year 2021, 2022 until now, has been, you know, first and foremost, try to draw a line between her and the more mainstream opposition. And then, you know, throughout this year, basically, she started the year saying that the reason why she would participate in the primary was to displace the mainstream leadership of the opposition. And basically, I think that she read the sentiment of an important part of the Venezuelan population that wants to see Maduro out of power, of the Venezuelan opposition, who became really disillusioned with the mainstream opposition, given that the opposition has been promising for many years now, for many, many years that, you know, Chavismo will leave power and they have not succeeded. So Maria Corina tapped into that sentiment. I also have to say that basically she ran practically unopposed because, you know, the other candidates were not strong enough, did not have the profile and also their parties. They are basically in, in a very weak situation. So I think that she won because, you know, she and the close people that support her did her job in terms of organizing everything and pushing for these primaries to happen, which was a big question for most of the year, if they were going to happen or not. But also, you know, when the key moment came for the vast majority of people to decide who were they're going to vote, the reality is that she did not have another strong contender, you know. The other candidates were not well known as she is because she has been in opposition politics for so many years. So I think that, you know, at least for a relevant part of the population that voted for her on Sunday, October 22nd, they voted for her not because they like her or because they support her policies, but also because, you know, she became to be seen as the only one standing in terms of, you know, known opposition politicians that are willing to put the effort to try to move forward a changing government. So, Mariano, to be honest, you know, under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't devote a whole episode to a primary election in Venezuela for the fact that chances are the actual election itself would be neither free nor fair and would be engineered by the Maduro regime to further ensconce his grip on power. But we're having this conversation because there has been a really significant political breakthrough in Venezuela that took place in, of all places, Barbados. And there is now, for the fact of that breakthrough, a decent chance that this election might actually be free and fair. Can you explain what happened in Barbados and why that is such a significant political moment in the evolution of politics in Venezuela? 
So Venezuela is scheduled to have presidential elections in the year 2024. As you say, you know, last time that presidential elections were held in Venezuela in the year 2018, the vast majority of the opposition boycotted the election, decided not to participate, basically because the conditions were not there. There were no conditions whatsoever to conclude that that election was going to be held in somewhat fair conditions. That basically led eventually in January 29 for the U.S. and, you know, over 50 countries to conclude that, you know, given that Maduro had not been reelected in a fair manner, then the president of the National Assembly, then Juan Guaidó, had to be recognized as interim president of Venezuela. But now we're six years later, almost, and elections are going to happen next year. So what happened in Barbados was that, you know, after many months of negotiations and basically a strong push of the U.S. government, the government of Nicolás Maduro and the opposition signed an agreement. And that is an agreement that basically entails or enshrines certain improvement on the electoral conditions for the 2024 presidential elections. Some of those improvements are things, you know, very obvious and even I would say surprising as, you know, first an agreement that the election will be held in the second semester of 2024. Second, an agreement about updating the electoral registry in Venezuela because there are millions of Venezuelans that have not been able to register to vote, most of them young people. Also a commitment to update that electoral registry outside Venezuela because now there are over, you know, 7 million Venezuelan migrants and refugees outside Venezuela living abroad. And most of them are Venezuelans that, you know, are registered to vote, or, or some of them, I would say, are Venezuelans that are registered to vote in Venezuela, but have not had the chance to update the registry to vote where they are living abroad. Access to media, you know, the general conditions that make the election not free and fair. I wouldn't say that the election is going to be free and fair because Venezuela is so far away from a real free and fair election. But I would say that could make the election competitive, provided that the guarantees enshrined on that deal are implemented by the government because the government controls the National Electoral Council. And basically, the counter reaction to this deal in Barbados is that in reaction to the deal, the United States government, the Biden administration, announced that it would temporarily, for a period of six months, provide sanctions relief, namely by issuing licenses that allow the Venezuelan oil sector to start exporting again to the U.S. This was a big deal, the lifting of oil sector sanctions. That to me, and also the other sanctions that you're about to mention that were lifted as well, seemed to me to be just a profoundly strong U.S. endorsement of this political agreement. This deal would have not been possible without the involvement of the Biden administration, basically because, you know, in a negotiation table between the government and the opposition, The government had no interest in anything that the opposition could put on the table. But at the same time, the U.S. needed the signature of the opposition in that agreement to provide sanctions relief. So that provided the space for the agreement to happen, among other considerations, right? Because part of the reason that this agreement happened also is because, you know, right now we're seeing record numbers of Venezuelan migrants reaching the southern border of the U.S., That is obviously a very hot topic for the forthcoming 
U.S. presidential elections. So the Biden administration is under a lot of pressure to try to at least control that. And a key signal for that is that days before, in October 7, 10 days before the deal was signed in Barbados, the Biden administration also announced that it would basically resume deportation flights to Venezuela, obviously following an agreement with the government. So I think that the U.S. role is key. I'm not really sure that you know the U.S. government really thinks that the Venezuelan possibility of exporting oil to the U.S. could substitute or even tame for a long time the increasing oil prices given the situation in not only in Ukraine, but also in, in, in the Middle East. But, you know, I think there's also a concern from the Biden administration and specifically from the White House that one of the consequences of this policy of isolation and broad sanctions against Venezuela is that the Venezuelan government has, you know, become even closer to the geopolitical rivals of the U.S., namely Russia and China. So by providing sanctions relief, there's also hope that, you know, part of that oil will stop going to China and start going more into Western markets and therefore regrowing that dependence between Venezuela and, and the West. So despite this breakthrough in Barbados, there still seems to be some uncertainty around whether or not Maria Corina Machado will indeed be allowed to stand for election against Maduro. Can you, I guess, explain what's going on there and offer your thoughts on how this kind of current, I guess, legal standoff might be resolved in a way that would indeed allow her to stand against Maduro in elections? The problem now for Maria Corina Machado is that she's banned from running for office. Basically, that ban originated in the year 2014 when she was a deputy of the National Assembly. She went to Washington to the Organization of American States. And to be able to speak at the Organization of American States, basically, she intervened as a member of the delegation of the Republic of Panama. So when she went back to Venezuela, basically, Chavismo used that to say, you know, you are an agent of a foreign government or, or, or participating in that session as an agent of, of a foreign government. So now we're going to basically remove you from your post of the National Assembly. And then, you know, this year, basically, the government reaffirmed that ban using the other arguments that we discussed earlier that Maria Corina Machado has supported U.S. sanction, has supported the idea of a U.S. military intervention and so forth. But the reality is that, you know, according to the Venezuelan constitution, that ban is unconstitutional because it is an administrative ban. There has been no process, no legal process whatsoever to ban Maria Corina Machado from running for office. There has been no involvement of the courts on this and so forth. So the ban should be removed. The problem is that, you know, when you speak to close supporters of the Venezuelan government, they say that, you know, it is very unlikely that the government is willing to do that. The Barbados deal, interestingly, says that both parties agree that there will be sort of like a process to authorize the participation of all the candidates. But I think that the government very aptly included the, a, a reference in that clause saying in accordance with Venezuelan law. So, you know, just minutes after the deal was signed in Barbados, the chief negotiator for the government came out saying, you know, this is no reference to the possibility of 
allowing banned candidates to run. However, Washington, via a statement of the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said that they had conveyed to the Venezuelan government that they would like to see some progress in this process of authorizing all candidates by the end of November. And if that doesn't happen, they would start reversing the sanctions relief. So right now, I think that we're in a situation in which obviously Maria Corina has won resoundingly the primaries. I think that, you know, there has to be further negotiations and a further push to try to basically get that ban lifted. And this is where it gets interesting. If the government doesn't lift the ban, most of the other opposition factors believe that, you know, notwithstanding that, they would still like to participate in the presidential elections. Maria Corina Machado has said during the campaign for the primaries that she was not willing to discuss the idea of, let's say, how to substitute her candidacy if her ban remains. But I think that, you know, if that is in the end the scenario, there's going to be a lot of pressure. And I think that, you know, I would even dare to say that the U.S. would even see with some pleasure the idea that the opposition gets their act together, coordinate among them, themselves, and basically put forward another name mm. that is not Maria Corina Machado. Machado is not allowed to stand because of this kind of like spurious administrative legal action against her. That would not trigger a resumption of U.S. sanctions necessarily, you're saying. Rather, if the opposition puts forward a different candidate, then the U.S. sanctions could remain lifted. I think that the U.S. government has not taken a final decision on that issue. Mm. I think that, you know, there are two key moments, right? The end of, of November, as per the, the statement of the Secretary of State. And then the other key moment is the fact that, you know, the, the license, the authorization that, that the Treasury Department issued in favor of the Venezuelan oil sector was issued for a period of six months. So until the 18th of April of 2024. I think that if her ban is not lifted before the end of November, which I think it's unlikely, most probably the U.S. will not provide further sanctions relief, but will also remain standing the license, benefiting the oil sector. And why is that? Because in the end, you know, it is also true that the Maduro government, the Venezuelan government, has conveyed to the U.S. that they cannot allow a somewhat competitive election if there is not an improvement of the Venezuelan economy, because the argument of the government, which, you know, is not true or is quite complicated, I should say, is that part of the reason that the government's and Maduro's popularity is so low is because, you know, they have not been able to show results because the Venezuelan economy is in a very dire situation. They say that is a result of U.S. sanctions, but in reality, it's also a result of corruption, mismanagement and other factors that are the responsibility of the government. So does Maduro retain a strong base of support, or are we to assume that if these elections happen in the second half of 2024, and if these elections are competitive, perhaps not totally free and fair, but at least competitive, would you assume that the opposition would win, be it Machado or whom? ever else. In that scenario, I think, yes, obviously, the opposition has the upper hand. The discontent within Venezuela is huge, that there is no doubt about that. I think that Maduro's game is twofold. 
first, he has the ambition that, you know, with at least a partial recovery of the Venezuelan economy, he will be able to regain some ground in terms of political support. There's a huge number of people in Venezuela that work for the public sector. And if there is an economic improvement, very likely Maduro will, for example, raise the salaries of the public sector and so forth. And that could have an effect. I am doubtful that that would have a huge effect, but that could have an effect. But the other game and the the most important factor, I think, that for the Maduro government is that he knows that the only way that he can, you know, win a somewhat competitive election under foreseeable conditions is to basically confront a divided opposition. And this is where also, you know, the divisions and the tension between Maria Corina Machado and the rest of the opposition comes very handy for the government. Because in Venezuela, there's no second round. There's no need to win with a particular percentage to become president. So in a scenario in which Machado's ban doesn't get lifted and she says, you know what, there's no conditions. I'm not going to continue with this farce, as she has said in the past, in past elections. And she calls part of her following not to vote. And then at the same time, part of the opposition decides to run. And that is basically a reality now, not only because the mainstream opposition are saying that they want to participate no no matter the obstacles, but because there are also co-opted people that, you know, post themselves as people from the opposition, but in reality have been co-opted for the government. The reality is that there are going to be multiple candidates in the ballot. So if Maduro can present himself as the person with that, that gathers the most votes in a field of, you know, very divided, basically the, the person with the, with the largest majority in the country, he could pull it off. But, you know, that is why I think it, it depends to a large extent on the question of whether the opposition will be able to coordinate themselves and remain as unified as possible to basically, you know, try to disarm or weaken the game that Maduro is trying to advance. Either way, 2024, the next several weeks are going to be really pivotal political moments in Venezuela, which has huge implications, at least here in the United States, for the fact that it is the largest source country of migrants to the United States right now. So this is all very, I think, impactful, at least here in the United States on our domestic politics as well. I think that's a key element that that the Biden administration has to consider. And, you know, the reality is that even though the Biden administration is interested, is trying to push for a a democratic transition in, in Venezuela, they also have other factors to take into account especially in the year 2024, where the U.S. will also have presidential elections. And, you know, obviously it is quite clear, at least for now, that it's going to be also a close election. So in that sense, while the Biden administration wants to push for a democratic transition, they also have a deep interest that the economic situation in Venezuela improves somewhat because, you know, that uh, potentially could tame the number of Venezuelan migrants trying to reach the U.S. Mariano, thank you so much for your time. This was very helpful and timely. Thank you so much, Mark. A pleasure. Thanks for listening to Global Dispatches. The show is produced by me, Mark Leon Goldberg. It is edited and mixed by Levi Sharp. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to follow the show and enable automatic downloads to get new episodes as soon as they're released. 
On Spotify, tap the bell icon to get a notification when we publish new episodes. And of course, please visit globaldispatches.org to get on our free mailing list, get in touch with me, and access our full archive. Thank you.